Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I'm speaking to you from another locale in Southern California, but still SoCal. So, gentlemen. Yes, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm still in Harlem. Reporting. (laughs) (laughs) Where you should be, my brother. I think so. (laughs) A beacon of light. Where we Um, all should be. mm, (laughs) uh, I'm in the South Bronx. Uh, My name is Seth Rodney. I am an editor at Hyperallergic, the arts blog. And I was actually just on the Jim Jeffries show last week. But y'all listening to this now will not have any evidence or proof of that until the fall when the show airs on Halloween. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. We'll be chatting that up quite a bit. So that's, Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's some good publicity for our, our tiny little podcast. So, yes. <laughs> um, so we may we even may rename it the Seth Rodney Podcast. podcast. <laughs> as we get that's a good idea. I mean, he's, he's a man about town, about, about the that, nation, right. international just to, travel. Just and... maybe, we'll get a, maybe we'll get a few more listeners out of it. So. A couple that's more clicks. Uh, so yeah, we're funny. a little bit uh, handicapped today because... Uh, uh, Seth and Stephen can't see me. I'm in a, a different uh, studio, and it's not quite uh, as uh, fully set up as the other. So, uh, but today's conversation is uh, continuing our conversation about Michael Jackson, and uh, specifically, uh, Seth and Stephen both had uh, brought up last time that they wanted to to talk about uh, his basically his what would maybe be encapsulated as his racial transformation. Um, mm, or, or I like that. At least that's how it reads, right? I mean, whether yes. that's actually what's happening or not, we can kind of, uh, we can take apart. But um, but it's certainly something to talk about. So, Seth or Stephen, do, do one of you guys want to kind of lead us into what your thoughts are on that? Uh, Seth? I, I can do it. Um, I think that one of the things that is intriguing to all of us is uh a couple of aspects of his we're calling it racial transformation one is um and i well really i'm speaking for me but i i think that we share these these concerns one is what it means for a man who um is born into a culture where his blackness is a kind of power right is a kind of um is a kind of entree to a particular cosmos of of action right where he came up in a family called the jackson five and just bracketing aside for a moment their talents as musicians as singers as entertainers Mm -hmm. they took part as black men and women they took part in Mm -hmm. a, a kind of um lexicon of blackness, of black music, which is particular to black people. Mm-hmm. It's a special thing, right? It is not kind the of other things that we can... <laughs> what? Kind of superpower? Kind of superpower, <laughs> right. Exactly. It is, it's a thing that, that doesn't show up elsewhere in the American lexicon, cultural lexicon. And we, you know, we all know that, that it, is, it is a kind of superpower because it is unique, right? The blues, hip-hop, uh, jazz, mm-hmm. uh, certain kinds of, uh, well, R&B. Mm-hmm. These are all... Well, rock and roll when you go back to it, actually. As thank well, you. Right? Thank you. Exactly. Thank you for that reminder. Um, these are essentially um, forms, genres of music that come out of the black experience. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that in his backstory. And yet he moves towards this ostensible, this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, um, it's the, uh, not, what, that, that word that we use to talk about phenotype, right? The sort mm -hmm. of phenotypical sort of, uh, presentation of European whiteness, right? Mm -hmm. The, the thinner nose, the, um, uh, uh, square jaw, the, although that's not necessarily European. Um, but the, uh, pigmentation, the pigmentation and the hair, hair right? Type, Th yeah. Those are the main things. The yeah. nose, the hair, the pigmentation, right? That yeah. he moves towards this sort of, at least signifier of the thing that is almost the opposite of that super empowered blackness, right? Mm -hmm. That, that funk, mm -hmm. that, 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 that ability to take the hits and keep coming on, um, mm -hmm. that, that refusal to say no, that, that, um, that improvisational spirit, like all those things, um, are signified by blackness. And in a way, I guess what I'm getting at is that he's a really fascinating character because he still had all those things, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody had done the moonwalk in the way that Michael Jackson had done. I mean, maybe other people had done it in other... They have, in, yeah. In, mm -hmm. the, right, in other circumstances, but no one on the stage in the way that he did it, right? Mm -hmm. And it became a... It became a, a, literally him doing that became a worldwide phenomenon. So there's a, it's a... He's a strange character for me in that he, he didn't... And he birthed in blackness, holds on to some of the sort of powers and abilities and... Um, um, trickster qualities of blackness mm -hmm. we get moves towards this phenotypical uh european white european appearance mm -hmm. anglo-american appearance um seemingly because he was just unhappy with himself i don't know like is it does he does he gain something from that does he lose like it's a question i don't know i think i'm going to throw some things at you seth and travis mm -hmm. related to this mm. idea of Michael um, wanting to be white. I think the lens is both instructive and um, both instructive and deceptive in terms mm -hmm. of the optics, right? Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, these are the ifs, these are the questions. If Michael Jackson mm. did not have vitiligo, that this has been confirmed mm -hmm. since he was dead, he actually had vitiligo. Stephen, yeah, Stephen why don't yeah. you why don't you explain what that is? I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners that you know are probably listening to a podcast on Michael Michael Jackson know, but just to be safe. No problem. Vitiligo is a long term skin condition characterized uh, by patches of um skin losing their pigment. So mm -hmm. sometimes you mm -hmm. might see it with someone it, it Sometimes you'll see it on the face where it's almost like a mm -hmm. mask around the eyes mm -hmm. or the lips, mm -hmm. and the nose. Mm -hmm. And then also I've known people who've had it on their arms, but mm -hmm. they took, at least one man I knew took pigment pills to maintain his pigment. And I'm mm -hmm. not even sure how that worked because it was when I was a kid. That's all. I, I just accepted it wholesale as an mm -hmm. idea. But with Michael, Michael said that he had vitiligo and had continued to have vitiligo and it was getting worse. Um, mm -hmm. I did some reading today about it and that one of his biographers said that he, he definitely used skin lightening cream. Mm -hmm. But I stay with my original point, which is, had Michael Jackson not had <laughs> vitiligo, would we be even having this discussion about his trans, what appears to be transracialness 
or yeah. would yeah. we be having it? And in addition to that, I think I mentioned this before, in 84, when he was doing that Pepsi commercial with the Jacksons, when they were on the mm. victory tour, his, part of his mm. head had been singed and he could no longer mm. grow hair there. Mm-hmm. So I often wonder if that not had happened, would we be looking at a different looking Michael Jackson? Mm. Yeah, I mean the thing, the, the what occurs to me when when I think about the conversation around his uh, racial transformation. I mean that's that's how I labeled it. Um, that being said, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like it's a more powerful reading on our culture and kind of the straight jackets that we put ourselves in when it comes to imagining human beings. And so here is a, an entertainer and, and, and from what I've read, uh, certainly not as much as, uh, Stephen and, and probably you as well, Seth. I mean, he was not someone that rejected his blackness or the black community, particularly earlier in his life and felt very much like he was a black artist. Um, he had a disease, right? He had he had a disease that did something to his appearance, and he tried to deal with that as an entertainer in the ways that were available to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't. To me, that doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to be white. It, it means he wants to not look like a freak because his entire life is about being presentable and being an entertainer and an icon for people and legible like what do you yeah, yeah legible thank you fantastic word yes thank you yeah and go ahead uh, go no 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 steven please please go ahead no i'm just thinking about what you're saying i agree with you i think that his he could have decided after thriller to retire he was done yeah. do you know but by the time he gets to bad and i think in 87 i think when bad came out and mm-hmm. so you see a very different looking michael jackson than you see on the cover of thriller and I had mentioned mm-hmm. before that it disgusted me. I didn't buy the album for years because I was like, well, what am I looking at? Am I mm-hmm. looking at lighting, makeup? What am I looking at? I don't know. But I felt mm-hmm. like everyone else was like, you know, there, there was some critique about it. And the easier, the easiest lens is, was to say he was trying to be white. Mm-hmm. And so it ignores light-skinned people who, who have African descent, ignores sure. African yeah. people who, you know, ignores a lot of different things around that. But I think... What you said earlier about the reading of, it tells us more about the public reading him. If we didn't live in such a racially polarized kind of society, we'd have a different yeah. reading here. And also an escape into whiteness has been, you know, that's just, that's, that's a part of the, um, the African-American experience. If you're light enough and you're able to pass, then why mm-hmm. wouldn't you? So, yeah. and there are many so, stories yeah, so. about that. So, Yeah. Uh, well, two, two things. Uh, one is, I think you're right, and I think the sort of meta-discursive read on this is the right one to have, which is that in some ways reading Michael Jackson is moving towards whiteness. Right. is actually about our own, especially particularly in the black community, our own fear and resentment mm-hmm. of yeah. this, of constantly being, in some ways told, you know, if you're black, stay back, right? Yeah. That it, that being black is in some ways some sort of inborn, inborn deficiency, right? Like right. there's some... Like, that's a problem. Right, right. Right? But here's the thing, I think, that complicates that. And again, I want to I say, I think that reading is correct, that that's about our fear of being hated. But at the same time, Michael Jackson went out of his way to only, well, I don't know if he went out of his way, but he, he pretended to have relationships 
with only white women and the children that he supposedly engendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he engendered with a white woman who I don't think the nurse, is, I don't think we ever like anybody ever saw her again. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what happened to her. But there is a way in which the other kind of subsidiary actions that he took in terms mm-hmm. of the relationship, the, not the, no, I should say the romantic relationships that he formed mm-hmm. seemed to... That we know seemed, of. Right, that we know of. That's right, that's right. See, well, besides, besides the molestation, right? Like the, that that's a whole mm. other issue, but um, seemed to follow or be absorbed in easily into this narrative of anti-blackness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, to me, you know, I think, so I, I don't think we should cut Michael Jackson slack in, in certain areas, but, you know, being enculturated the way that, that we were all enculturated during the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, that the dominant form of beauty was imagined as white, right? I mean, white women, white bodies. Particu- particularly European. Even yeah. today, yeah. even today yeah. though. I wouldn't stop it, in the 90s. Yeah, so I, I so see, okay, I, I agree, but I do think that that is, there's some malleability there. I think there's you, some I mean, there, yeah. Beyonce definitely does not read as a white woman. Uh, I mean, mm. may, I are we mean, talking maybe, about her hair? Are we tips? talking about her skin yeah. color? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what was that? We're just talking about Beyonce's complicated in 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 the way in which she's presented herself. She's noticeably lighter than she was before, and also in terms of the texture of her hair and how she presents. She she's kind of a Michael Jackson in a way where you're reading her in various lenses. So, but the but thing there's is, been I, I, yeah, but I mean, but black people get to own. A variety of aesthetics, right? It might just be that. I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be that you have to only embrace an Afrocentric hairstyle to still to still read and be a a black a, an iconic black artist. I don't. It may be true that I, I'm not. I'm not disputing mm-hmm. that her that skin, skin has lightened. lightened. I, actually I actually didn't know that, know that but, but I, I, take I take you at your, at your word, word that that's, that's the case. case. So I, okay, okay, I have no I problem with that. that. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, that, that the black, the black community, community doesn't get to own a variety of aesthetics that alter their their given appearance because all cultures do that, right? We 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 adopt we a variety of. Uh, um, masks, masks on on on, the, on, on our, our attributes, attributes that that are given, given to us. us. Now, I, I don't I don't want to go too far with that because I, I do right. clearly, clearly obviously there is still, still a very clear, clear preference, preference for, for a type of white aesthetic. I'm not gonna I'm not suggesting clear. Yeah, I'm the only thing I'm saying is that you know put Michael Jackson in the line of. Of all of the other people in this country and culture that idolize the same type of beauty. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a rejection of his blackness as much as it is mm. he is a subject, mm. he is a subject of that culture. Um, mm. and, and is, you know, kind of working through that in a variety or didn't work through that in a variety of ways. I mean, some people aren't really interested in processing the scripts they're given. Uh, and so, mm. you know, so anyway, I just, on that, I just, I, you know, yes, I think it reveals that the way that it reveals that about like, you know, 90% of us, mm-hmm. you know, whatever arbitrary percentage I want to give it. Mm. The only wrench I would throw into that, and maybe not even a wrench, but just a different way of looking at it was what I start mm-hmm. out by saying is that when people say what European features are, European features mm-hmm. are everything. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. African features. Mm-hmm. So you have thin-nosed Africans or lighter-skinned mm-hmm. Africans. And so you have 
things yeah. that I find are really kind of problematic about a white aesthetic. Like the lens that we're looking through is a lens that has been shaped, obviously. It's even more, con- it's even a constrained white aesthetic on top of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, please keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I see what you're yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that's that's one of the um, problems I have with it when I think about Michael Jackson, who really, for me, is a master marketer. Like, I think he was fully aware of his aesthetic. I think he was so aware of it, hyper aware of it anyway, you know, according to the anxiety and the sort of things that he reportedly felt in terms of his presentation. Michael Jackson did not go away. Michael Jackson stayed and he re- returned with more plastic surgery or upkeeps, as he put it, and is what I think he said when he was, I guess, in an interview with Martin Bashir, at, mm-hmm. asked him how many pl- surgeries has he had, and he goes, only two. And he was very definitive about it. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, Michael Jackson might be think thinks he's probably telling the truth. And the rest of it is just upkeep. Because mm. he had a kind of plastic surgery that mm. looks like 70s, 80s plastic surgery, where you have, mm. well, it wasn't as good, you know, mm. where it's much better now. So Michael Jackson mm. might have looked totally different, say he got in his surgery in the 90s or even the early 2000 aughts, because Janet has the same problem, his sister. Her nose is... Mm looking like it's on the verge of collapsing in a way, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's a kind of surgery that he had. But, um, yeah, I just feel like Michael Jackson makes us look at ourselves and our vanity. He makes us look at ourselves and what's valued and what he feels was valued. But it's all, not circumstantial, but it, we're all just theorizing on something because he did very few interviews around yeah. that time. Very, it was, his interviews were like Prince's and Whitney's. They were to come and try to squash something, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, or to plead their case. Warner Brothers doesn't treat me right, Prince. Michael, I didn't do that. Michael Whitney, I'm not on drugs. You know, that kind of thing. So those, but these were people who really didn't do a lot of um, interviews. So we don't know a lot of what they thought about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, yeah, yeah. it gives us a lot of space for imagine, imagining, you know. it. Uh, Seth, I'll let you, did but, you I was going to, oh, no, no, please go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. Well, I was just, I want to say that that is this, Part and part of part and parcel of the nature of being a celebrity is that they are a space for our collective protection. And clearly, one of the things that we're concluding is that Michael Jackson is that to the the nth power, mm-hmm. right? That 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 because he looms so large in the cultural imagination, in our imaginations, mm-hmm. that yeah, he becomes a kind of. And this is what I was actually thinking about, mm. and I didn't know I'd get to a point where I'd be able to say this and it would fit in, but it seems like it does now. I was thinking about this at the top of the podcast when we were doing our preparations, that in a way, Michael Jackson is a kind of floating signifier, right? Like, mm-hmm. And his even his racial identity is a kind of floating signifier. I mean, people can argue, and I think convincingly, that there is a way in which Michael Jackson may have moved towards a more white European aesthetic, um, again, understanding that that white European aesthetic shows up everywhere mm-hmm. um, and is and is part of the aesthetic that we're all acculturated into there we can argue, people can convincingly argue that he moved towards that in order to be more palatable to more wider audiences right but at the same time we're also saying that he never stopped being a black artist and he really didn't I mean uh, in, in, mm. in a range of ways right and mm. in, in the sort of Audiences he has, and the people that were that were um, that were his family, um, and the people that counted him as friends. I mean, there's a way in the in the in the presentation of his 
of his song of, of his singing and 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 uh, his musicianship, yeah, and there's ways in which he never stopped being black. So he feels like very much like a floating kind of signifier to me. Like depending on the kind of uh, lens you look at Michael Jackson with, like yeah. he's he's either there or he's somewhere else. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the Stuart Hall reference because I, it's, I think it's very apropos for for Michael Jackson, and and I, I think it connects uh, really well with Stephen's point, which is that. Um, this isn't it's not as if this type of nose that type of pigmentation that shape face body hair type is is representative of europeans in general or white people this, in general it is, it, is it's true. it's such a constrained notion of it's all true. of it like literally all humans I, I don't care you know I, unless you're talking about a particular family like these traits right. there's such a variety of traits and it reminds me of um, a, a friend had observed once that in in film, right, on television and film, it's even transgressive to have blonde people and dark-haired people mate. So, like, if you want to show – we are so – we're so twisted around color and, and such a constrained notion of beauty that to even represent a, say, a blonde woman with a dark-haired – like both of them white, like th this is to show a transgressive relationship, right? <laughs> As, I mean, but, but but that's what even like you see it on the Game of Thrones, right? So I mean, the the yeah. the, the, the the song, you know, Fire and Ice, the representations of these two things, these two figures. Mm -hmm. You have the dark-haired, you know, raven-haired Jon Snow, and and sort of the white-haired, platinum blonde, you know, Targaryen or whatever. I mean, these are. And this is somehow, you know, it's that little bit of excitement of like, oh, are these opposites going to get together? I mean, these are white, <laughs> white, white people, like the whitest white, you know, like my belly white. And, and, and so like, you know, hilarious. I thought you were like, going to go for the feet, though. Something that didn't seem much fun. Okay. What did you say, Stephen? I, I said that, I thought Travis would go for the feet and say yeah. something that didn't see much, you know, light or sunlight. Right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I love that. Right. Thank you exactly. for that, Travis. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, th this is, but even there, we're constrained culturally around, mm -hmm. you know, coupling mm -hmm. in that way. So, anyway, I thought it was a good observation, Stephen. No, that's pretty mm -hmm. awesome to say that. I think. So I wanted to go just to think to think for a moment about the um, the changing times of the acceptance of plastic surgery. Don't you think Michael came up in a time like he couldn't? He came up of uh, he he was both musically set up to succeed in terms of his four forefathers and foremothers and the mm -hmm. and the moment the racial moment the time, but also about the acceptance of plastic surgery. Because as far mm -hmm. as I know, and I. Please, Travis and, and Seth, if you guys know anything, I don't know if anybody other than black people really kind of went, what is going on with Michael Jackson's face as much as black people did and, and, and what that meant? I think that's right. I think that's right. But what is that, though? Because it's totally like, well, but what is that? And I think it's the, for me, it's the rabbit hole, right? If you think about this, then you have to think about this. And if you think about this, you have to think about that. And so, so as long as Michael Jackson was making decent music, who gave a fuck, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I... Yeah, I do. Uh, I do think the critiques and observations of that came out of um, a kind of awareness of of racial identity. You know, I mean, certainly, and 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 certainly, and culturally and intellectually, I don't think um, in mainstream media or you know, sort of typical conversations about Michael Jackson, I don't think this is something that comes up. Like, if I were to bring it up to my relatives who actually like 
Michael Jackson. I don't, I think they would kind of see that as sort of nonsense, like, oh, what is it? You know, it just doesn't matter. Like, what do you, why, why are you so focused on his race? Why are you so, fo- I mean, the, the, you know, the, it's your problem. <laughs> that's right. Why do you have right. a brain? You're in the our racist. <laughs> what do you care right. about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, we, y'all remember this shit, right? That on Fox News at some point, I mean, they, 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 they traffic in nonsense, but mm-hmm. on Fox News, a couple of years ago, someone said, I think, and actually it must have been during the Obama administration, uh, someone said something like, oh, it was Dinesh D'Souza, <laughs> that it was uh, someone, I think it was, he said some, something like, uh, he keeps bringing up race because he's a racist. Like, yeah. I want to say, <laughs> I, I say um, no, um, <laughs> we talk about race because it is fundamental. And, and Michael Jackson you know, here's an interesting thing about about Michael Jackson's um, demigod status is that you know we 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 got to that point of clarity a couple of weeks ago or last week, where, you know, as Travis put it, you know the gods demand their sacrifice. Yes, which is how yes. we, we 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 came to came to a sort of understanding about what his molestation of those boys um, alleged molestation, but I think he did it of Safe Chuck and um, and Wade Robson. Um, what um what that meant right i think yeah. one of the things that i'm coming to understand is that that demi demigod status can still be leavened or um, in some ways um constrained attenuate yeah, yes constrained. Yeah, yeah yeah by by our own i mean this is how powerful our racial imaginations are right like absolutely that that status gets constrained by our own racial imagination so we're like absolutely. yeah okay he's a demigod but still is he black enough mm-hmm. like what what's what's going on with his face why does he have a cleft chin mm-hmm. like, what the fuck mm-hmm. right as if there weren't yeah, blacks yeah. who have cleft chins, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh a lot. It makes me laugh a lot, lot. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention this before we kind of start wrapping up is that Michael Jackson has repeatedly said in the few interviews that he's done that he was abused as a child mm-hmm. and that there are other stories that confirm that, but also say that Michael didn't want to look like Joe. None of those kids mm-hmm. did because of mm-hmm. the, the upbringing. So that's yet another sort of um, element of this face change, this reducing of the nose, because all of them had healthy brown noses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but like I said, their larger noses aren't, they're, they're relative to something, right? But it also isn't germane to blackness. Is germane to a mm. fictive blackness. A, well, a particular black man is what it's, it's right. Like and it's a fic- mm. but it's fictive. It's like there's a guy, but he is not obviously the um, what do you call it? Um, he's not all people of African descent anywhere. You know, he's yeah, just right. a type. Like but he's also could be a European or an Indian person or a Chinese person, yeah. depending yeah. on who we're, yeah. what we're looking at. So, but if they didn't want to look like Joe, but so if you don't want to look like something, do you want to look like something else automatically? This question I was kind of curious about. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, one thing, uh, and I'm sure Stephen could could have a whole podcast on this alone. But I mean, one of the ways I was just thinking about him contrasting Michael with Prince, obviously, because these are two major icons that were, you know, in the cultural imagination and prominent at the same time. And there's a way in which Prince plays with which, or plays with that, or plays with that which destroyed Michael Jackson. Right. I mean, so, I mean, as, as far as, as far as, 
um, it getting away from him, right? And the and the increasing lengths he went to to maintain a particular kind of appearance, whether we call that whiteness or or European or whatever, right? He was clearly chasing something, as you pointed out, Stephen, and, and was cultivating something. But there was a way in which Prince was able to handle that more deftly, uh, and 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 uh, in well, I'll just stop it there. I mean, just uh, Stephen, what do you? Thing. Oh, just wondering in terms of his um his his skin color, you mean? Yeah, I mean just all of it. I mean the way that that Prince would put on and take off sort of stereotypical um black uh comportments or would adopt or play with sort of black and white imagery um and 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 and, and the whole bag that is Prince. Um he seemed to be obviously very self-conscious about it. Uh-huh. Very. I think he was adept at being. I think he was as good as a musician as he was as a marketer. Mm. I think maybe even a better marketer. And he was a pretty damn good musician. But I think that he mm. understood um, the racial dynamics surrounding his skin. He was very adept at playing that. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and to his advantage because few folks knew that he had a nose job or few folks cared. You know, but he mm. had plastic surgery as well. But it wasn't as um, pronounced. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I, Prince had a nose job, actually. I didn't, I didn't know that either. But I recall, I think it was the, uh, you, I think we'll know this, Stephen. He showed up for an award show a few years before he died. I think it was the end of LACP Spirit Awards, maybe. And he showed up in a full fro <laughs> on stage. He was, and he was giving a, yeah. a, an award away. And that was the first time I'd seen Prince ever sport anything like mm. what we call kinky hair. Mm-hmm. Um uh here that's like my texture um um and and so i was actually surprised i didn't know that <laughs> literally i didn't know that prince had it in him like i did not know that that <laughs> was a was a, right. was a thing right right um but the but the way that, he, that people and and i know there was good feeling for prince anyway for prince is prince is a Again, another demigod, but also his his charitable work was. I think that he was very good at letting people know about the kind mm-hmm. of charitable work that he was doing that was really instrumental in in changing the life chances of 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 for many people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. But the kind of adulation that he got, adulation he got when he stood on that stage, the way that black people stood up and just the way they looked at him, the way they applauded, the way that you could feel the love and deep, deep, deep respect in that room. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but feel like, and it, this is, I think, a, 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 well, I don't know if it's a constraint, but it's a constant chord in the in the in the sort of orchestration of blackness in this nation is that when black people who were recognized as black do something really good and they do it for a long time mm-hmm. when you show up in a public place people are just grateful just deeply mm-hmm. great like grateful to their bones and they will give you that love they will show they will say you 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 did it like you 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 kept faith like you you made it, and you made it for us in some ways. Well, you didn't ditch us, so to speak. Exactly. Do you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas it's, I think this is particularly why people have a hard time letting go of obvious miscreants like <laughs> Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. R. Kelly. And, mm-hmm. uh, R. Kelly. Uh, uh, what, what? R. Kelly. R. That's what it was, that was the other one I was 
trying to get out. Uh, Kelly, people, you know, every well, we all know that you go on social media, right, and you will find uh, uh, lots of people defending these men mm-hmm. to the death, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I think part of it is that. They just don't want to be ditched. They just think, yeah. oh, no, no, this is, this is, this is, a, he's still a demigod for me. I'm not letting go. I'm, I'm, I'm it's a lack know, of imagination and a lack of justice, you know, that I find. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's Unforgivable that in a way, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I think we're coming up on time. So, Stephen and Seth, um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll chat, chat a little bit after the podcast about where we go next or if we want, if there's something else you guys want to talk about with Michael, I'm happy to do that. So, well, I think I think all of us are at the point. Uh, I hope. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Where we're kind of we like to put down the burden of Michael Jackson. Now. Like, <laughs> the burden yeah. of Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. He's heavy. He's so, heavy. And like we've but he's my carried brother. him around for a while. So I feel like we need to tell uh, um, our sound engineer as he as he exits this episode, he should take out our normal music and, and play Thriller. So I think that should have. I think how this podcast should close. Yes, I love it. So, awesome. Uh, Stephen and Seth, thanks very much for the conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Travis.